Hello friends and welcome to your Monday edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast brought to you in association with our friends at Manscaped and also those excellent fellows at Ginger Pickle. Friends, it's another one of those Mondays I'm afraid. Ipswich Town didn't win, they didn't lose, but we've not been able to sit here on a Monday talking up a town win for more than a month now. I've just been looking back, they haven't won on a Saturday since they beat Rotherham in the FA Cup. That seems a lifetime ago. Anyway friends, I'm Mark Heath, I've risen from my bed having fallen asleep watching the Super Bowl last night. Um, I'm fully caffeinated to join my best friends, Stuart Watson and Roscoe, the Prospect Halls. Stewie, how are you on this fairly average Monday morning in terms of all things Ipswich Town? I'm okay. What time did you make it to before you <laughs> fell asleep on your sofa? <sighs> it's pathetic. It's grimly pathetic and predictable, friends. Every year, the Super Bowl is like my Christmas day. It's the one night of the year that I have to myself where I can just enjoy it. I get all my snacks, get the drinks lined up, and I sit, and I fully intend to watch the whole game. But every year, I fall asleep at some point because I'm too, I've had too many scoops. Um, and last night, I fell asleep. I can't remember what time I fell asleep. Not because I was that drunk, but <laughs> I just can't remember falling asleep. Uh, I can remember waking up at around 2 a.m. and it was midway through the third quarter. So I'd missed the Rihanna halftime show, which is one of the things I was most excited about. I quickly turned the telly off and trudged upstairs to bed, feeling thoroughly ashamed of myself. And I still don't know who's, who's won. So after this, I'm going to be going and catching up with the game that I should have watched last night. Every year, every year it happens. I'm old and grimly, predictably pathetic now. Um, Ross, you're young and not grimly, predictably <laughs> pathetic. You've got a new trick with the mic, which I particularly enjoy. Um, and you're, you're tearing the arse out of it. Um, so to speak, doing it all the time now. The old yeah, slight it works though. It it's, works. Your, it's, your, it's your new trademark. How are you? I'm very well. Um, last year, actually, I actually went to a, a place in Ipswich to watch the Super Bowl. This year, I just went, nah, I can, can be asked this year. Um, but yeah, I'm very well, thank you. And yeah, the mic thing, I think after a while, I think I'll probably, you know, get sick of it. But it's just a nice little can trick if I want to. Wanna, can we add yeah. to it though? I mean, that's that that is that is good. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But can we just chuck it You know, like Stu, um, one of his best skills is spinning a pen yeah. on his on his thumb, which we've not seen actually. It's one of the thinking about it now, it's one of the main drawbacks of no longer being in an office with you all. I used to just sit and watch Stu spin a pen because he used to sit next to me. And he'd do it like it became mes- mesmeric, like a one of those metronomes. He'd just do it. So if, can we can we spin the mic, Ross? Can we get the mic spin going? Or Next thing is maybe someone just throws it to me and I have to try to catch it on yes. my hand and go, oh, here I, like I am, that. game day. I mean, that like is that. expensive bit of kit, so that is, uh, maybe yeah. I have to fill in some sort of Short, short distance form. throw, not, not too not too far away. Just, you know, enough for me to just catch it in one hand and then boom, hello guys, welcome to game day and all that. I look yeah. forward to uh, to seeing this develop as the season goes on. It may be the only really interesting thing we've got to talk about for the rest of the season, let's be honest. <sighs> right then, let's kick into it, shall we? Ipswich Town played Chiffle Wednesday at the weekend. We, we bigged it up. We got very excited about it. We said it was it was a game they couldn't afford to lose. They didn't lose, but they bloody didn't win it either, Stewie. Um, there's lots to talk about, but let's open with your first thoughts on the, on the whole game. I've got a theory I want to share with you at some point as well. See what you think. But get started, Stu. Kick us off. An absolute emotional roller coaster that game was. Um, particularly the first half. I don't know. I don't know if I can remember a game with. So many sort of ups and downs in a short period of time. That's a lie I can. Charlton away, <laughs> stoppage time. Um, which probably leads us on to a bigger point about Ipswich dealing with emotional moments in games is becoming a bit of a theme of this season. Um, 
Penalty miss, 2-0 down, absolutely rocking at that stage. Could have been three. Crowd was ready to turn. Peach of a free kick. You know, you won't see many better free kicks than that in world football, which was a, an absolute lifeline on half time. Finished the first half bang on top, carried that into the second half, deservedly got an equaliser, and then some familiar themes about lots of pre- pressure, but not quite turning it into, into goals. Um, and all in all, all things said, a draw was probably about right. And Ipswich are drawing too many games at the moment, aren't they? They, they surely are. They're definitely not winning enough games. What is that? One win in seven now, four in the last 14. That's not top two form, is it? Rossi, um, your opening thoughts on this. It, I did enjoy, by the way, considering we talked about our favourite type of goals on the last pod. We saw two of them, as discussed. We saw the, the angled kind of bullet lifted header from Smith. And we also saw the peach of a free kick, which you were waxing lyrical about from Broadhead. In fact, you actually said we don't really score goals like that. And then Julie Minty <laughs> steps up. Yeah, technically we've got two, two free kicks. Um, I know there's a massive deflection on Leif Davis, but, you know, he'll claim it as his goal. Um, but, yeah, I've got mixed feelings, really. Um, you know, I was looking forward to this game. You know, two of the big dogs in the division going head-to-head, big crowd. But, yeah, we didn't start really well. Dreadful first start half. Chapman's penalty, we'll get onto that in a bit, I'm sure. Um, but, yeah, we got a great comeback to be 2-0 down where I thought, oh, God, this is going to be one of those days. But thankfully not. And uh, yeah, just mixed feelings. But as Stu said, a roller coaster of a game and just two really good teams going head to head. Right then, shall we talk about the minutiae of the game then, Stu? Let's start with the team, because I'll be honest with you. When two o'clock came around and it flashed up on my phone, I looked excitedly at the lineup. I then went, huh, Freddie Ladapo's not starting. That's that's really disappointing. I really wanted Freddie to start the game. I can't see an argument that he shouldn't start the game other than the fact you just brought Hurst in in the window and you've got to play him. But for me, I, I, I was I was very underwhelmed by Hurst starting up top. I want to see Freddie. And also, of course, we talked about starting Caden Jackson and we saw Wes Burns. What did you make of the side, Stewie, when you saw it? Um, wasn't a million miles off what, what I talked about in the in the piece uh, moving, going into the game. I thought Cameron Burgess might come back in for this one. I don't know if George Edmondson is, is an injury because he wasn't in the squad at all, though that's not mm. unusual because McKenna's talked about whoever doesn't make it as a centre-half in the team probably won't be in the squad because he wants attacking options on the bench. But I thought but this was a game for Burgess, given the Michael Smith factor up front. Um, we talked about Davis Lee being a close call, but it would probably be Davis that got the nod. That was correct. We talked about Clark and Broadhead. If you've spent big money on those two players in January, this, these are the games that you've signed them for. So they, but they both got in. Um, yeah, it was that. It was that right side and striker um, positions that that we talked about being big calls, and and uh, they tipped the way of of Hurst and Burns. I guess Burns is kind of big, big game uh, moments this season probably tipped it in his favour, and Hurst. They tracked him for a long time. They wanted him. They probably thought the Sheffield Wednesday motivation factor was something. He'd had a good game at Burnley up in midweek. So, um, as I said, I was I was kind of okay with either of those starting up front. Personally, I'd have gone. I I would have gone with Freddie and probably Caden in those roles. But it, it went the other way. Um, tight decisions. Um, I think George Hurst really wanted that penalty when Ipswich got it in the nineteenth minute. Um, we talked about him having a point to prove. 
he he went to go and get the ball, but but Connor Chaplin took it, and um, yeah, he's gone for the <clears throat> the delay didn't help him. I don't think it was one of those ones where the ref has to go over and speak to the linesman for quite a long time, and and you always that always allows a bit of doubt to creep in. I think for everybody, um, and Connor Chaplin's gone for probably what the, the safe option. Sometimes if there's a bit of nerves jangling, which is understandable given the stakes and the, the crowd and everything, safe option is maybe to, to go down the middle and, and uh, you know, otherwise if you go for power, you can end up blazing them high and high and over and, and whatnot. So um, it, it goes down as a good save for me from, from the goalkeeper um, rather than a, yes, there's better penalties, don't get me wrong, but I don't think it was a complete fluff on another day that rolls straight down the middle of the pitch and, at middle of the goal and, and no one saying anything. But yeah, George Hurst wanted that penalty, I think. Mm. Should we talk a bit about the penalty? Because obviously that was a, a fairly major incident that um, attracted a lot of chat. Stu, have you got a pen that you're playing with? Sorry. No, it's, a little, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a little... Uh, what little is that? Clip is that hair things. clip? You don't need uh, one of them. I don't even know where that's come from. I've got all manner <laughs> of junk. There's a little clothes peg here. All sorts of stuff. Super. Well, if you could stop playing with it, uh, sorry, or mute. Make the cho- make the choice because um, it's not good for the audio. Rossi, the penalty. Um, clearly, something happened to Wes Burns. I you can't. Yeah, well, it looked like an elbow. Yeah, and then Johnson disappears into a crowd and escapes any sort of punishment. Josh Windass says that the ref didn't know what happened and therefore should have just let play carry on. Um, he said Johnson apparently told him that he, he got caught up with a guy competing for a ball. Um, and therefore, it was just 50-50 and the ref should let it go. God, let's play, essentially, was what Windass was saying, which I suppose he would say. Um, Darren Moore said he didn't see it, but he assumed the ref got it right. <laughs> Straight out of the Football League playbook there, Darren. Um, and McKenna, what did McKenna say, actually? I didn't see, Stu. What, what did McKenna say about the penalty? Not a lot. Nothing, actually. That was remiss of us not, not to ask him about it. We spoke to Leif Davis about the incident. Mm. And, um, yeah, similar description to what you've just, just outlined from the Sheffield Wednesday end in that, the referee clearly didn't see it, understandably, because all eyes were tracking the ball towards the edge mm. of the box. It's an off-the-ball incident. The linesman on on the far side of the pitch does really well to spot it because he's on the opposite side through a crowd of bodies. Um, I don't think we've seen any kind of footage that is completely definitive yet, but it's pretty clear that the two are sort of tangling off the ball. And I think there's a couple of... They're tangling and there's a couple of frustrated sort of get off me throws of the mm. arms backwards from from Marvin Johnson and um, one of them obviously catches Wes around the, the face neck area and he goes down and um, yeah they, they do well to spot it and give it mm. there's, a, there's a great picture actually that Steve Waller one of our snappers sent to me yesterday he's going back through his pictures and he had a picture of Johnson and Burns tussling early on in the sixth minute in fact it looks like uh, Burns is dodging a punch from Johnson. I'm, I'm assuming that's not what's happening, but it's a good it's a good picture. Well, see, what did you make of the penalty and what did you make of the, the starting lineup? Because my thoughts with Freddie are, I just feel kind of sorry for him. <laughs> I don't know what more he can do. He's just become like he's just he's the player of the month from January. He's a man in form. He does well against Sheffield Wednesday. He's feeling the love from the fans, and then he's been benched the last two games. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. Maybe McKenna's gone with the narrative, oh, George Hurst against his, you know, former club, you know, played well on Tuesday against Burnley. But yeah, surely you've got to start Ladapo for this one. This is this is prime for Ladapo starting and um, mm. and he'll been fired up as well. So I was a bit disappointed when I saw the team and saw George George Hurst signing. I know Stu's mentioned it and everyone knows, you know, we've been chasing him for you know for ages. So 
you know, McKenna's now finally got his man. So I'm sure he wants to start him for big games as well. But I think Ladapo was always, for me, what I wanted him to start. And I think the rest pretty much named itself, really. You know, there was that talk point with Greg Lee, maybe Sean Luco maybe starting because of his great performance on, on, on against Burnley, even Caden Jackson maybe a start. Because um, last time he played against Hills, you know, against Sheffield Wednesday, Hills probably played really well. But um, but yeah, I would have started Ladapo, but uh, you know, Ladapo really scored, didn't he? Um, at the end there to actually win the game. We'll get on to later. And then the penalty itself, as Stu said, good save by um, Cameron Dawson. Um, he's actually a really good, I think, uh, a penalty saver. I think he's got a good record. But um, yeah, he kept it with his legs. But yeah, Chaplin, I thought with a big occasion, he's one of those, you know players who wants to be up for those big occasions and just whack it down the middle my friend just whack it down the middle but but no but yeah not great penalty but good save overall mm. so town town can you say miss a penalty it seems unfair to say miss a penalty but that is yeah. essentially what happened it was it was saved it was missed whatever and then Stu, they find themselves two nil down what about the goals because neither of the goals i thought were i know the first goal was an excellent goal don't get me wrong brilliant cross even better header but neither of them were de- defended that well were they? No, the first one is is a, a lapse in concentration from a quickly taken free kick, which um, is all the more frustrating given that Ipswich had spoken about Sheffield Wednesday's desire to do that in the build-up. Leif Davis says that's something that they'd looked at as a squad. Um, they weren't alert to that ball work down the line, and then from there you have to say it's it's real quality. It's uh, it's a whipped cross off the weaker foot of Josh Windass, and it's a fantastic header from Michael Smith um, running. Uh, you know, t- towards the near post and to get the power and precision back across the goalkeeper into that top corner. It's a, it's a top-class goal. Um, and then Ipswich really, really struggled emotionally from that moment onwards. Um, two big body blows. You you fail to score a penalty. You go 1-0 down. How are you, how you going to handle this? And the answer was not very well at all. Um the second goal was a really, really poor one. Um, you know, a multitude of, of sort of small errors adding up, really, in terms of not dealing with the long ball into the corner, not stopping the cross, not dealing with the cross well enough, not picking mm. up the runner, the late runner into the box. Uh, I thought that was a really poor goal. And at 2-0 down, um, they were rocking big time. There was five minutes where they looked all over the show. Um, Smith almost goes round the goalkeeper, takes a heavy touch. That could have very easily been 3-0. And as Darren Moore says, if that goes in, it's probably game, set and match against the team of, of their experience in the form that they're in. Uh, I think the whole mood would have really turned angry at that stage. Um, they would have been booed off at half time, no doubt. Mm. Um, but uh, again, the, the match took another another swing the other way. Absolutely, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Rossi, you're, you're pitch side, so you have a, a kind of privileged position and you're actually close enough to see the players' facial reactions and, and probably hear them talk to each other. In that period where they, where they were rocking, did you notice any difference in kind of body language? Was there a heightened tensions or kind of any kind of cross-words exchange, anything like that? Was it was it visible from where you are that, well, they're, they're reading a bit here? Yeah, definitely when, when Lee went 3-0, Warford and... Didn't didn't do himself really well there. I just I watched back the highlights this morning just to um always good too. And mm. uh yeah, that was thankfully Michael Smith had a bad touch and you know didn't score from there, but Wolfden doesn't didn't have a great moment there. But yeah, good thing I don't think players dropped their heads. I think they 
they knew, you know, I know definitely Wolford actually was like, you know, not very happy. But I think everyone else, they just got themselves up for and they needed to get that goal for half time because, as Stu said, there would be massive boos. Um, and, you know, we're, we've been trying as being as positive as we can this season, I'm sure, town fans. But against a promotion rival in a big game like this to go 3 0 down, that wouldn't have been good. But, mm. um, but thankfully, Broadhead was there to to get the goal. But, uh, on on the opposite goal, of course, on the attacking side. When, when so when they concede, I'm a bit further away. Hmm. But yeah, when the, the setting went in, I just thought, oh, this is not going to be a good day. Um, but we have got a few leaders on the pitch. But sometimes I think they just that's when you need to step up and find that goal. Yeah, which they did, Stu. So let's go from the the down of being two 0 down to the the up of the roller coaster, which is first of all finding this goal from Broadhead and then finding a, an equaliser after half time. Um, Great character, great resilience, we have to say, um, to be 2-0 down against a team like Sheffield Wednesday. We haven't conceded a goal in the league <laughs> all year. Um, oh. So to then go and score two, to come back from from a pretty deep pit at home, um, shows great character. And you mentioned Morsey there. Did I, I'm sure I read something from one of you boys that said Morsey was quite vocal in the dressing room at halftime. I think it was, was it by Leif Davis? Yeah, that was Davis who, who yeah. spoke after the match and he talked, you know, it was... He's obviously asked, what did the manager say at half time to to get you going? And he said, well, it was as much to do with the with the skipper as it was the manager. And um, so, yeah, he's he's played his role as captain there at half time. But that half time team talk would have been very very different if that that goal hadn't gone in. McKenna talked about them getting back to details and getting back making it their game again. Um, mm. Sheffield Wednesday, you could see from when the two teams lined up at the very start, you could see the height difference between the sides. They landed the Giants, not only Smith, but Aidan Flint and Dominic Iorfer. And they just looked at a, a taller, more physical side than Ipswich. And they made it that sort of physical battle in the first half during during those most difficult moments for Ipswich. Um, McKenna sort of referenced it at the end of the game as well, their experience as well compared to Ipswich's. He talked, we got a few young players in there. And when you think about it, Davis, Clark, Humphreys, there are some there are some still sort of green young players in, in that Ipswich town team, which um, were, were dealing with those sort of big crowds, big moments like this for, for the first times in their careers. Um, so to have turned this game around, um, does deserve huge credit. Um, it needed that moment of magic from Broadhead uh, to change the mood. And then Ipswich, to be fair, settled. And they were bang on top at the end of that first half. And, you know, wave after wave of attack, huge roar from the crowd. And they managed to carry that into the, the second period and, and make it their game of football. And Sheffield mm. Wednesday were then suddenly the team that were, were reeling and rocking and on the back foot. Um it was Chaplin's direct run that won the free kick, which, yeah, obviously big deflection from, from Leif Davis, but 2-2. And then you're thinking, go on, go on and win it from here. You've still got loads of time. Um, and they just weren't quite able to. Lots of similar story of uh, lots of possession, lots of front foot football, forced lots of corners, but weren't able to kind of be ruthless and clinical when on, when on top. And then in the end, Sheffield Wednesday probably finished stronger side where it got back to being a bit of an aerial bombardment lots of long throws into the box and crosses into the box and and to be fair to Ipswich when we've talked about a t at that stage I was thinking oh, don't go and lose it now and like in you know, a 90 plus minute defeat how flattening that would have been um so 
again, that deserves a lot of credit, I think, for the way that, okay, Ipswich didn't win it, but, you know, they defended really strongly towards the end when it would have been easy to sort of crumble in those latter stages as well. So there is lots of good stuff to take out of this game, but it just leaves us, Andy used the phrase in limbo land a little bit. We talked about before this match, if it's, is it must win? And I said, well, it's must not lose, but a draw could leave us here, sitting here on Monday, having the same old conversations. And, um, and, and so it is. Mm, we'll have that conversation shortly, Stu. Rossi, they didn't lose it, but they, they, they almost did. They tried to by leaving six foot nine Aiden Flint completely alone at the back stick. Yeah, that you know, Aiden Flint is a he's a monster of a man. He is, and as I said, Stuart Watson's sort of favourite hairy ass defender, and um, with, you know, with the bandana on his head, and uh, yeah, that was the moment where you think, oh, just fought back, you know, two 0 down against a very good Sheffield Wednesday side um, to score two goals. I know they're free kicks and set pieces, but you know, Sheffield Wednesday defence is solid this year. They're, they're really up there. Um, just it proves, sadly, we're just not a ninety-minute team. You know, we, we play in fits and starts. Um, we have bad moments. We have good moments. You know, at one stage, you know, we were losing every challenge, every ball. We are getting bullied because, yeah, Wednesday were a big team. I remember when they both were walking out, you got little Barry Bannon, but then you got the rest, just massive. And we've got, you know, a few tall players ourselves. But um, but thankfully, no, we got a bit of the rubber to green in this game because we got the, you know, the deflection for Lee Davis's goal. And then thankfully... Aiden Flint, because he had two chances. He, you know, had a header, mm. then he volleyed yeah. it over. So, um, but we can't let let players just have that amount of space and score. But thankfully, they didn't, and we, we had a chance at the end, but we just couldn't find that winner, unfortunately. Yeah, I've seen I've seen that sort of ninety minute performance thing mentioned by quite a few people. I, don't, I see where I see where you're coming from. I don't know how realistic it is for to expect a team to be kind of dominant for ninety minutes, but it's about making the spells in games that you do have count, yeah. and that's been the sort of uh, a recurring theme of this season. Ipswich have always got a really good spell in them during a game, but do they do they make them count enough times? Um, you know, and you talk about that end of the, well, certainly the first twenty minutes of the second half. Are they ruthless enough when they've got a team on the ropes? Can they land those killer blows? And um, it has happened on occasions, but probably not enough times. Um, Sheffield Wednesday was always going to be a different, you know, there was always going to be periods of pain in a game against Sheffield Wednesday. It was always going to be this sort of two throw game. As McKenna says, two draws against Sheffield Wednesday probably isn't going to define. The final picture. Um, it's it's the other games beforehand. It's the Fleetwoods. It's the Cheltenham's. It's the Lincolns. It's all those games that have kind of added up to 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 the frustration of a draw against Sheffield Wednesday, isn't it? Rather than this this as a as a sort of individual draw on its own. Hmm. How are we feeling about the wider picture then? I, I know Leif Davis again after the game says essentially that we we weren't or aren't ruthless enough, and he actually name checked Freddie by you know by name saying other sides would have, would have put that away um, and that's what we need to do and he goes on to say that the automatics though they're not gone we've just got to put together a winning run which we feel like we've been saying <laughs> for most of this year town have got to go on a run and we said we are uh, a few podcasts ago we referred to them having to be almost perfect and they've definitely not been that um a draw at cambridge and then fighting back from two nil down to draw yes they that's great but they still didn't win the game um, there's 16 games left. There's still six points behind Sheffield Wednesday. They've got a game in hand. Plymouth are now eight points 
clear at the top. Bolton are level on points now. Yes, they've played a game more, but they absolutely tonked Peterborough 5-0 away. Um, so in terms of the way things are looking, things are starting to edge away from town on the top two and that kind of middle, the, the, the playoff spots are starting to come back together. Derby lost for the first time this century, um, which I suppose is one good thing uh, at Wickham. Um, how are you feeling about it, Stu? 16 games left. Um, I'm starting to increasingly think that there's just something missing in terms of what's required to finish in the top two. And it's really hard to put your finger on it. There's so much good that is there. We enjoy watching this team. Um, we've seen what they can do against the likes of Burnley. There is a feeling that if Ipswich can get over the line, they would be well equipped to, to kick on again in the championship. Although I do think we're, we're probably underestimating how difficult the championship is. It's, there will be teams that make it difficult to play in the championship to a higher standard than the spoilers in, in League One. Um, we've seen Ipswich against a struggling Rotherham in the championship. We've seen them <coughs> against a proper footballing side in Burnley at the top. Be interested to see what they were like against, a, I don't know, a Millwall or someone like that. Um, but I digress. It just feels like something's just not quite there. I don't know what it is. Is is an emotional, mental element to things? Um, bit of ruthlessness at the top end of the pitch. Concentration levels at the back. I, for a long, long time, I kept saying on this podcast with quite a lot of faith that the stats would would bear out that Ipswich get create a load of chances they don't concede many and over the course of a 46 game season that 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 they that that would that would come to bear and um and here we are still now heading down the last 16 games talking about the fine margin games just not quite tipping their way enough times I think for for a top for a top two push eight points behind Plymouth could be nine if behind Sheffield Wednesday, if they win their game in hand, you're talking about sort of bettering two teams results on what four or five occasions mm. to catch them up. Um, it's a big ask from here, isn't it? Part of me just thinks almost the top two chase going down to the wire might not be helpful from a psychological point of view, because if we keep up this hope, that, yeah, we could still get in there. We could still get in there. I don't know if that's going to help from a mentality point of view going into the playoffs. It's almost like if we can get our heads around the fact that it may well be the playoffs from here on in, it's about, right, how do we get ourselves prepared as ready as possible for those playoff games? That's kind of where I'm at at the moment. I don't know if that sounds a little bit defeatist, but four wins from the last 14, is it, we said, mm -hmm. in the league? Yeah. And we're talking about probably needing... 10, 11, 12 wins from the last 16. That's a hell of a, a turnaround in form, isn't it? Let me hit you with my theory then, because it feels like a good a good juncture. So from the, the same man who brought you the all fell apart at Charlton theory, um, which is still bearing out, I've got to say. Mm. And if you look at the record since, it's not been good. Um, right then, settle in, friends. This is an analogy, and it comes from my sport, the world of fighting, MMA, the best sport on earth. Um, obviously, you know, I do a lot of commentary of fights. Um, and when you're commentating on fights, particularly well-matched fights, you're picking up on what fight is, what one fight is doing well, what the other fight is doing well, you know, what they could be doing, how it, the story of the fight, all that kind of narrative around it. <clears throat> and occasionally, 
in these fights, you realise that you're saying about one fighter, you're kind of praising, God, they're so tough. He or she, they're so tough. God, that intestinal fortitude. They're, they're losing this fight, but they're staying in it. You know, they're, they're still competitive. They're still finding a way to be in it. And eventually, as you get towards the end of a fight, you realise that's kind of damning with faint praise, saying, God, how tough they are, how competitive they are in this fight. They're not winning it. They ain't going to win this fight, but they're still in the fight. Essentially, that is the lowest form of praise. Like if you're if you're a fighter, being tough is kind of the minimum expected intangible to, to step into a cage or a ring. You better be tough, otherwise you're going to get fined out. And I, I feel like there's a there's a, there's a kind of a, a comparison there with town that we're saying, God, yeah, they they didn't win that game, but they didn't lose it. God, they showed great character. Well, they're competitive with these top sides. They ain't winning them. They don't. They don't. They don't beat these top sides. They've only won one of the, the games against the top sides. And essentially, what you're saying with that 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 praise that oh, they're so tough. This woman, this man, they're so tough. They take so many shots. Essentially, you're saying at the end of it all, they're not good enough. They're not good enough to win that fight. Ipswich Town. I'm starting to think, and this is a high bar because they're third in, in League One clearly. But this is a, this is a situation we're at with Ipswich Town. We want high, high standards. We should be pushing up there. Ipswich Town, I'm starting to think, just aren't good enough to go up top two. They, yes, they're competitive. Yes, they've got heart and they've got resilience. But when push comes to shove and they've got to get results and they've got to beat these sides, they need to beat them, they ain't doing it. They're not good enough to go up top two. What do you reckon? Yeah, I got to agree with that because um, we haven't been able to beat Plymouth. We haven't been able to beat Sheffield Wednesday this year. So, and do you know what? The draws have gone under the radar, really, haven't they? Eleven draws out of thirty league games. Um, mm. Of course, some of those were winning, you know, winning positions. Fleetwood, Charlton. Um, and I'm sure there's other examples, but Sheffield Wednesday are a very good team. They're, they're, they're champions. I'm saying it now. They're going up as champions. And I think a lot of people think Plymouth will fall away. I think they've still got a chance to, but then I don't know, Derby, but like Bolton, they're coming out of nowhere. That was a massive win against Peterborough, as you mentioned earlier. They're 5,000th game, I think, in their history. And to win 5-0 is a nice little, you know, good headline there. Um, but it could be right there, Heafy, mate. Could be right because, you know, there's some good play- we've got some good players. We've we strength in January, but do we have players who can get over that line and get into the top two. I haven't haven't just yet given up on top two. I said I've been going with my heart this year, but every time they have a little slip up here and there, I have their doubts and uh, I don't want playoffs. I think that's my as well. I just don't want playoffs because it's a lottery, but but yeah, maybe, maybe they are not good enough. I should say, by the way, clearly that's the highest possible standard that we're talking about here. When I say they're not good enough, this is a side who are third in League One. And at the very least, will be in the playoffs. But in terms of the standards that everyone talks about at the club, uh, and you know Ashton and being relentless and game changer and all the money they've got and the players they've signed, that has to be the the the, the level going up top two. And there's no there's no shame in not being good enough if you give given everything, and ultimately you're just not good enough to win a fight or to go up top two. There's no shame in that. But equally, there has to start to be some kind of level of acceptance, which I think is what you were kind of touching on, Stu, that, do you know what? Actually, realistically, we are looking now 
at Town being in the playoffs. We may not like that, but that feels like it's the way it's going. And if they are going to be in the playoffs, that acceptance that that's where it's heading, that they're not really good enough to go up top two, but they're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to have a chance still to go up. I feel like I agree with you there, Stu, what you're saying, that kind of acceptance, that, right, we're going to go again, the playoffs are coming, top two's gone. I know technically it's not gone, but realistically, we have to start thinking about the playoffs and how we're going to handle that. Because again, this is not a side, unfortunately, that handle pressure, big games, that well, which doesn't really bode brilliantly for the playoffs. Um, I see what you're saying with that analogy, and 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 you're right. Look, the 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 standard bar is a lot higher this season. Everything is in place from the from mm. the money off the you know behind the scenes they're flying to games they've got all these extra training ground stuff more staff you know you, you're hearing a lot of clubs now talking about Ipswich coming with more staff than they've ever seen before and they've got more equipment than ever before they've got a target on their backs because everything is tip top and in place there's no excuses at all now and I keep sort of swinging between at the start of the season, I think I predicted them to finish fourth and I th- thought, well, they're coming from a position of finishing 11th last season and I can almost see it that they'll finish this season wherever, somewhere in the playoffs and whatever will happen will happen in the playoffs and then we'll go, well, I suppose they've come from a position of finishing mid-table and it is progress. And was it a big ask to go from a team that finished 11th to suddenly asking them to be a finished team that finishes first and second? I don't think it is. Teams have you teams do turn things around quite dramatically in a one year period before it's not without precedence that a team can go from being at one end of the table to the other with the right level of investment and the and everything like that which it's which have had so we are high, holding them to very high standards now the analogy about sort of sticking in there and not quite getting over the line I'm I think that almost paints the picture of sort of a plucky underdog that's sticking at it in games but coming up short. I'm not sure that that quite applies to Ipswich. And there have been moments where they have turned up in big games. I thought they turned up in the Derby game. I thought they, you know, the Plymouth game was was a late goal. Um, they've beaten Portsmouth and Peterborough, who, okay, they've faded away a little bit. It's just, I don't know what it is, that little bit of... I don't know. As I said to you, I've really hard to put your finger on what it is that's that's missing. But there's just something that's missing. Um, whether it's a little bit of magic, whether it's a little bit of mentality, I don't know what it is. But it feels like all the ingredients are there. But for whatever reason, they're just falling short in on one or two occasions. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But as a, a you know, I said to you, in some ways, there needs to be an acceptance of the playoffs. That can't be the mentality of the players, though, because the next five games you're looking at, you can go to Bristol Rovers and win, Forest Green and win. There's MK Dons coming up with a huge away following. We keep convincing ourselves that this run of four or five wins is, is on the horizon, and then all of a sudden you, you're, you're flying again. Um, and that has to be their mentality, that they keep attacking all of these games. I've just got this fear that the, the hope will linger right up until the last minute and they'll just it will just just fall short because the gap's too big, and then it's a real psychological battle to go right. We didn't quite make it, 
and we've seen it so many times, teams that just don't quite make it into the top two find it really difficult to go into yeah. the playoffs. You're right, Stu, to be fair. I mean, Kieran McKenna can't stand in front of them to go and go, right, lads, playoffs. Yeah. It's the playoffs. Top two's gone. <laughs> I mean, obviously, he can't do that with 16 games left. But I, I just, I, I wasn't saying they're underdogs. I just say the way we talk about them quite often is, well, you know, at least they were competitive in this game. <laughs> you know, they didn't used to be competitive in these games. And, well, oh, at least yeah. they didn't lose this game. What, yeah. what resilience they show to come back from one nil at Cambridge, or yeah, you're right. Two, we can't you know keep I mean? talking. Yeah, talk, just in the past. Oh, yeah, they they weren't competitive. At least they're yeah. competitive in in every game now. Well, mm. they should be. You're right. Exactly. We shouldn't we? Shouldn't be. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. We shouldn't be going. Well, it used to be. We you know against Rotherham, there was they were at arm's length the whole time, and they were they were comfortably beaten and bullied and outfought, mm. and that's not happening. There isn't a single game this season that I can think of where you'd say Ipswich are outfought, outfought comprehensively outplayed second best they've been in every game and that's the frustrating thing there's just you can but that's just what i'm saying is that's the minimum that's the minimum possible kind of standard be. that town should, should be, be at. with the with yeah. the investment and mckenna you think there's no excuses there now because mckenna's been he had six months in the job to start with to work out what he wanted and get get used to the league and get used to the club uh he's got you know the, the training ground the staff the players the investment as I say, flying to games, everything is in place for it for it to be happening. So you know, it's right to hold them to a, to a high level of account. And yes, we're probably nitpicking. It probably feels to them that we're nitpicking at, at little things, but that's where they're at. That's the standards that they're being that that, that they're being held to now. Um, so yeah, six sixteen games to go, um, and a bit and a really big run coming up now because it's it's really I know we keep saying it it's now or never but yeah. this this run of wins really does have to happen now because yeah. you know further down the track not that much further down the track they've got to go to Derby to Bolton to Barnsley um, so uh, we really are in must win territory now going into these these run of next few games as we head into that game those run of games Rossi um, I saw one of your pictures from the weekend which. Uh, didn't make me feel too good about things going forward for one player in particular, Lee Evans. Um, you got a picture of him sitting on the bench with with essentially some kind of contraption made out of metal around his knee. Now, we know he's injured that knee, but that makes me think that injury is not going to be one that he comes back from quickly because I know a little bit about knees myself now, unfortunately. <laughs> and when they, put, when they put that kind of metal contraption on your leg, that is essentially the strongest possible thing to support the knee, ensure stability in that knee joint. Um, so there must be something quite quite uh, problematic going on with his knee. And we know he had a knee injury last season, didn't he? Um, so that does not bode well for me. No, it, he was walking on his own, but with that, so because yeah, he's aided by that yeah, mm. brace or whatever you call it. But um, yeah, not good. I'm sure we'll find out more whenever Stu speaks to McKenna. Um, and I'm sure Evans will be frustrated again because, you know, this happened last year. You know, he got the injury that ended his season. He was on a great run this year. He was the same, started the season well, had the injury, then came back quicker than expected. And then the same has happened again. And that's another thing that will come up, I'm sure, unfortunately, is injuries that can stop, you know, that momentum for teams, you know, key players missing because of injuries. Hopefully, I've not jinxed it now. Hopefully, there's no more injuries for big players. But, uh, but yeah, when I saw Lee Evans walk out, I was oh, great to see him. But then I was like, oh no, because at first I was just I was just sort of taking a picture of him, you know, mm. sort of 
um, just his face and he was clapping and saying hello to fans. And I looked down and I went, oh, okay, he's got a brace, which is not great. But yeah, we'll find out more, I'm sure. Yeah, I hope to high heavens they're just being super, super cautious with yeah. that and they're just trying to protect it as much as possible. But the first thing I think when I see a metal brace on someone's knee is that knee is not in a good way and they're, they're doing everything they can to support the stability of it. Um, what is the official line on Evans, Stu, from the press last week? It was um, essentially it being reviewed, wasn't it? Uh, yes, and that was repeated by by uh, Kieran after the game. Mm. Um yeah, we'll we'll wait and see, but it's it's not looking good for for all the reasons that you've you've outlined. Um, yes, injury key injuries can derail you, but Ipswich have again. We're talking about the no excuses thing. Ipswich have future proof their squad mm. for that reason. That's why they've they've boosted their options. There's two good players for every position. There shouldn't be anyone really that that would get injured that should completely derail what Ipswich Town are trying to do, and that includes Lee Evans with with the likes of Luongo. That's why they've signed Luongo for this scenario, um, and and Cameron Humphreys as well, of course, who's uh, who is uh, looks more than ready for for men's football at the moment. Right then, so having me just declared them not good enough, Stu said there's something missing. Rossi thinks that it's probably going to be the playoffs. Let's talk about these like sixteen games, shall we? Because they've they really have got. I mean, now we're serious, town. You really have got to start winning now. <laughs> Pull your fingers out, all right? Stop messing around. Um, and that starts tomorrow at Bristol Rovers, Stewie. This is a game that when <laughs> we looked ahead at February, none of us said they would win. I think we all said, draw at Bristol Rovers. Um, oh, what did you say, Rossi? Did you say win? I said a win, but like a late winner, you know. But, okay. So... All right. Well, they really, I mean, again, not messing yeah. around. You really do need to win this game, Town. All right. At Bristol Rovers. Stu, how are you feeling about this? Because, yes, Bristol are, what are they, 14th? They're kind of mid-table they lost at the weekend to Lincoln but going to Bristol midweek Joey Barton all that kind of rah-rah factor it's not going to be an easy game there are no easy games in League One but this is not going to be an easy game sort of game that makes me worried and that's even without the the poor form that town are in Hmm. it's a bit like Leif Davis after the game said when the first Sheffield Wednesday goal went in he turned to Sam Morsi and said, right, we need to start playing now. And then the second <laughs> goal went in and he said, I turned to Sam Morsi and said, we really need to start playing <laughs> yeah. now. Um, yeah, same applies with the, with these next games. Um, on paper, when I looked at, when we were looking a bit further ahead, I thought, oh, Bristol Rovers away midweek. That's a tricky old game. Mm. They have lost their last five in a row. Bristol Rovers. Okay. Um, yeah, they. I mean, they were on the fringes of the playoffs, weren't they, for for the first start, yeah. first half of the season? But they've lost five in a row now. They lost at Lincoln. I don't know if you've heard it. Jerry Barton went peak Jerry Barton at the weekend after their one nil loss at Lincoln and was offering out Lincoln players for a fight. Excellent. Um, while while the uh, while the radio interview was still sort of running um, in the background. Um, <laughs> They're moaning a lot about bad about decisions going against them, red cards, penalties, various things at the moment. Um, they got pumped five one by Morecambe. Yeah. After, after Ipswich, um, after Ipswich beat Morecambe five 0 Morecambe then then went and beat them five. Um, Barton was talking about that being an embarrassing performance and a rude awakening and um, reimbursing their their fans that had travelled stuff like that. So. Um, Against the backdrop of all of that, Ipswich have to go and win. I mean, they they dealt with Bristol Rovers pretty comfortably at Portman Road back in September 2-0. If you remember, they had a couple of players sent off fairly late on. Um, 
yeah, this is you. You asked me before if Sheffield Wednesday was must win, and I said must not lose. This one is must win. I think yeah. for, for top two, for top two. Now I, I think I'm at, at that stage now where the, the this game has to be won. And do you know what, Stewie? And this I think this is part of we we both obviously Ross. You've been an Ipswich Town fan your whole life, and you've seen not a lot of success. Me and Stewie have followed Ipswich Town professionally for coming up on fifteen years now. And when you trot out stats like that, Stu, they've lost five in a row. My first thought is not, ah, oh, Town are going to thump them. My first thought is, well, that's going to stop tomorrow. <laughs> they go, Town are going to find a way to draw or lose this game, a game they should be winning. Rossi, how are you feeling going, about, going into this one? Yeah, sometimes when I yeah read those stats, you know, haven't won at home or haven't won in many games, I don't know, kept clean sheets or whatever. But yeah, yeah, okay, here comes Itchwich Town. Yeah. To, here you go. But do you know what? We've been able to change that a little bit this year. There's been times we've gone to teams and actually, you know, kept that rut, rut going for that team. So mm. I'm not fearing too much about that anymore, but there is still that deep down, like, oh, town are going to come in town thing me. But yeah, Bristol Rovers, you know, we, we you know, we beat them early in the season 2-0 at Portland Road. They had two players sent off very late in the game. They also had a player sent off against Lincoln. Um, I think there's some loft, I think, who, who had a bit of an elbow as well on a player. So, um, little thing there. But uh, do you know what? Weirdly, I'm confident about this game because we need to win. As you said, we need to bloody win. So, go on town, go to Bristol Rovers, get a win. My first ever trip to um, Bristol Rovers as well. So, um, that'll be a new ground to tick off. So, um, hopefully, it will be a good ending at that that game. But, yeah, we need to win. If they don't win, then see that top two. Yeah, I mean, if they lose, then sayonara, top two, isn't it? Um, Stewie, what... Clearly, they've got a squad now. They can make changes. Surely, Freddie Vadapo is going to start tomorrow. Is there anything else you'd be doing with the the side, mixing things up? You like the way Burgess looked playing with Wolfenden. Wolfenden's been the subject of maybe a few lackadaisical moments recently again. Mm. Yeah, he's looked a bit wobbly in the last uh, few games. Just a bit. His his super strength can also go against him. His sort of ice cool, laid back nature and. Um, mm. Yeah, that's sort of uh, that's that's a bit of a concern at the moment. Not knowing his best two centre halves, I think this deep into the season, you know, the the fact that they're sort of chopping and changing at the moment doesn't doesn't bode particularly well. Um, I'm sure there'll be uh, a bit of freshening up, given just the, the nature of a, a long trip and a, and you know another Saturday Tuesday week. So um, yeah, Ladapo's got every chance. Hurst has just played two back to back, having not played a great deal in the first half of the season. Jackson, you may may well be pushing for for a start after his impressive performances against Burnley. Does he even think about giving Greg Lee a start and and giving Leif Davis a bit of a rest? Uh, there'll be all of those decisions we talked about going into the Sheffield Wednesday game might now tip the other way, mm. and I, I would hope that this is where the Ipswich Town squad comes to comes to the fore for a, for a midweek game like this against a, a Bristol Rovers side that are uh, in a, in a bad place. Um, yeah, I'm 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 feeling confident about this one. I think uh, Ipswich have shown that when there's a little bit of frustrated noise around them, as there has been for a lot of this this podcast, um, they tend to they tend to sort of respond quite well. It's um it's then following that up which has been the problem, hasn't it? It's um, so yeah, I'll, I'll I'll put them down for a win tomorrow night. I think they'll they'll go there and win. Are well, you going to give it a score? 
Yeah, I'll give it a. I think they could win three nil. Oh, be still my beating heart. That's exactly what we need, isn't it? We need them to come out, score early, put it to bed because we've got early deadlines as well. So if it could be over by half time, that'd be tremendous. Town sort that out. Um, so you're saying three nil, Rossi. You you said a win, but a, a scrappy one. Are you going to put a score on it? I'm going to help you with deadline, actually. I'm not going to do a late winner. That would be nice for a late winner, you know, but I'm going to, I'm going to go 3-1. Yeah, maybe, maybe you know, as I said, it will be, we'll be 3-0 up and then Bristol Road just score consolation. That would be fine. Um, yeah. That would be perfect. As long yeah. as we're 3-0 up and then they get a late goal, no one really cares. No. Um, so 3-0, 3-1. I have been incredibly bad at predictions um, my whole life, especially this month, though. I said 3-0 town at Cambridge United. That didn't happen. I said 2-1 win against Sheffield Wednesday. That didn't happen. And in my look ahead, I said 1-1 at Bristol Rovers. So I've got to stick to that. Hopefully that won't happen and it will be a big win for town. That's certainly what we need. And then, Stu, on Thursday, we'll be saying, do you know what? It's still on. It's still yeah, on. It's, look, look at the games ahead. What, they who have they got coming to Portman Road? No one, no one coming to Portman Road. They've got tough games away. Yeah, that's fine. They're away, though. You know, oh, they can easily win all the games at home. No problem at all. And, and the top two still on. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly it can turn, and that's um, that's the life we as uh, outsiders live, following the club. Um, and I, as McKenna says, we're, you know, during that game, we're dealing with human beings here. Mm. Um, we're dealing with emotions, and it's very easy for us to say they should have handled that better in the moment. I know how I felt watching it from the stands when that penalty was missed. Sort of flat, and you know, Andy and I looked at each other and went, oh, "No!" And then the goal went in, and you. you you sink again and you think, well, imagine that intensified actually being out there on the pitch mm. and trying to handle it in that moment. Um, Ipswich struggle, I think, have struggled for me in moments of chaos. They're not comfortable in chaos um, and they've got to find a way to become comfortable in the chaos in, in those moments in games. They're at their best when they're controlled and they're calm and they're a reflection of their methodical, intelligent manager and they become a you know they become an extension of him um i'm hopeful that stylistically this game will suit them joey barton talks a lot about them trying to play the right way um i know that he's talked about them having a lot of the ball without purpose and that becoming a theme for them so when i see quotes like that i lick my lips because i think when a when a team tries to play football against ipswich that's certainly a lesser side hmm. um then they tend to come out on top. I can, you know, I remember them going to Exeter and just being supremely in control of that game. Um, I'm hopeful that we get another situation like that tomorrow night. Mm. Okay, so two wins and a draw. Anything else to mention, friends, as we come to the end of this this show, this frustrated show? Uh, yeah, I hope this hasn't felt sort of too negative off the back of that because there was a lot to like from from the weekend. That second half performance was really exciting at times. There won't be many teams that have Sheffield Wednesday on the ropes like that this season. So there is a lot to take from that. And if Ipswich do ultimately end up just falling short and finishing in the playoffs, then hopefully that's a game that they can sort of call upon for muscle memory to say, you know, in difficult situations against good opposition, we can find a way to dig ourselves out of a hole. And that's why I think McKenna talks about it potentially being a decisive moment because we've talked in recent weeks about how that Charlton game maybe had a bit of a psychological effect and damage, lasting impact on them. 
well, hopefully those sort of bad memories have now been replaced by some some good ones that they can call upon, that they are able to come back in these games and they are able to turn the tide in matches as well instead of these, oh, there's, there's always going to be a last-minute goal coming against us. Those fears have, have been replaced a little bit by some some positive ones from, from the second half. So, um, yeah, I, I know we've talked quite frustratedly about them not winning, um, but it wasn't all bad. It wasn't all bad. No, it wasn't all bad. But they didn't win, so there we go. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't two 0 um, down though, Heathy. They were two 0 well, yeah, down, yeah, and they had to come again, back. But, yeah. That's what I go back to. Yeah, well, great resilience, character, brilliant. They didn't win the game. They got it's a game they could have won. So yeah. there we go, um, friends. That brings us to the end of fifty-two minutes of uh, frustrated noise, which I liked, Stu. And we could put that as a maybe hmm. on the poster for the podcast. <laughs> frustrated noise um there we go uh yeah so friends i hope you're having a, a good start to the week despite this frustrated noise um air fryer boys i've got to get this in over the weekend playing around with the air fryer prawn toast in the air fryer game changer pringles coated fried chicken in the air fryer game changer let me tell you friends what you do tube of pringles pour them into a bowl smash them up real real small flour egg chicken strips flour egg and dip them into the Pringles, whack them in the air fryer until they're cooked. Can't remember the temperature now, but obviously you know when chicken's done. Hopefully, don't don't serve it pink. It's not steak. <laughs> but my God, that's good. We did it with smoked bacon Pringles. Fantastic. I'm sure it would work with any flavour Pringles. Get yourself a little dip as well. Prawn toast. Whack it in a blender. Prawns. Bit of chili. Bit of garlic. Get the cheapest white bread you can find. Spread it all over that. Sesame seeds on top, whack it in the air fryer. Woo! Let me tell you, it's game changer. It's better than anything you'll get from the takeaway. Not got all that MSG stuff in it. It's not deep fried, so it's not leaking grease. Fantastic, friends. So my adventures with the air fryer continue, and at least that is one positive we can take away from the show today. And hopefully over the coming weeks, I'll be able to bring you more adventures with my air fryer. Friends, all left for me to say then is to support our sponsors. Use the code KOA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery on all the excellent cover. They've just launched various new lines of things. Um, so get involved with that, including, Ross, I know, beard uh, oh. products, beard oil, beard trimmers, etc., that kind of good stuff. So um, you'll be using your code KOA. Well, actually, they should be sending us free stuff, to be honest. Be honest. Yeah. Manscaped, come on, sort it out. Uh, and also Ginger Pickle, digital marketing, SEO, search engine optimization, all that good stuff that Stu knows so much about now, having chatted with Tony Southgate. If you like your pickle ginger, Google Ginger Pickle and improve your digital marketing in every possible imaginable way. Right then, friends, anything else as a final word today? Stewie, Rossi, what have you got to say? Nothing or something? Nothing from Stu, nothing from Ross. Okay, excellent. Well then, friends, it's in the books. First part of the week, 55 minutes of frustrated noise. Hopefully when we convene again later this week, it'll be an hour or so of excited tones. Have a great start to the week and we'll speak to you next time.